says. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. We're kind of uh, coming near the end of this series that we've been doing on Wednesday nights of Have You Ever Wondered? Now this may continue uh, beyond a little bit, uh, just kind of in terms of dealing with issues and things of that nature, but uh, I've only got a couple more questions uh, that have been asked. Uh, but here we are tonight in the book of Proverbs, and uh, let's stand together as we read this text of Scripture. We're going to begin reading in verse number 20, but uh, I want to just mention that the question is actually based on verse 23, which says this, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So understand that, that that's where the question comes from. We'll get to that in just a moment. But for the sake of context, let's back up to verse number 20. As it says here, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. So I want to deal, of course, tonight with that verse, verse number 23, which says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, this question was posed to me shortly after we had... Uh, been going through our, our uh, uh, the First Corinthians 13 and, and what the Bible says about love and charity. And uh, the question is this, it says, I love this verse. I've always thought of it as guarding and protecting our heart. How do we do this? Because as we've been studying charity, it seems like we have to be willing to let ourselves get hurt. So I was thinking as I read this morning, I would love to have this verse explained further. So in other words, the question really comes back to this issue of what exactly does this verse mean? Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And it seems that, that maybe the, uh, the understanding uh, of this verse had been uh, kind of the idea of keep yourself from being uh, hurt or harmed in some way. And it certainly if you read it that way, uh, it, you could see how there could be a tension with uh, 1 Corinthians 13 that basically says, hey, uh, you've got to be willing to uh, love people, forgive people, and, and even kind of make yourself vulnerable to them. Uh, you could maybe, if you're reading this verse in that way, you might go over to Hebrews chapter 12, uh, and verse 15, which says, looking diligently, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And it would be easy to say, well, in order to keep my heart and protect myself from uh, from becoming bitter or angry if somebody does me wrong, uh, I'm supposed to, to guard myself from that. And so it would be easy certainly to uh, uh, maybe read this verse in that way. However, I think if that's what we're looking at when we read this verse, we're missing some important truths 
of Scripture. Because as we look at the Bible, there, there is this uh, consistent uh, message, and that is offenses are a reality. Uh, certainly to anyone who uh, loves people, ministers to people, I can tell you the more that you love people, the more that you're opening yourself up to be hurt. It's just the, it's just the way it, that it is. And in fact, Paul even expressed that when he said, the more that I love you, the less I am loved. And, and I, I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I can tell you that in ministry, this has been true in our lives. Uh, my wife and I, we've been involved in uh, full-time ministry. I mean, this is what we've done for my profession, if you put it that way, uh, for the last 15 years or almost 16 years now. And and I can tell you that uh, uh, just having been involved in ministry and pastoring for years, uh, the, the people, often the people that you spend the most time with, the people that you invest in the most, are often the ones that end up hurting you the most. And it's, uh, it's a sad reality of, of ministry. And it would be easy for us to say, well, I can't allow myself to get hurt anymore, and so I, I'm going to kind of recluse and pull back. Uh, but as we go through the scriptures, we find uh, that that's not what we're called to do. We, we really are commanded to uh, invest in people, pour ourselves into people. And for instance, we're, we're, to be t we're told uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount that we're to turn the other cheek. When, when, we're, when someone smites us on one cheek, we're to turn the other one also. And, and you know, for years I looked at that, well, don't retaliate. Someone smites you on the cheek, don't, don't hit them back. Well, that's true. But when it says turn the other cheek, that actually means not only do you not hit them back and turn and walk away, but that you once again open yourself up for, for the potential for hurt. And we're told that we're to love our enemies and we're to do good to them. And, and all of these things certainly are contrary to our own understanding. It, it goes against human nature. But that's why we need grace, that's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us, that's why we need to be walking with the Lord, because it's not easy to live a life of, of potentially being hurt. And yet if you'll serve the Lord, that's, that's just going to be a reality that you need to, to get used to. And you say, well, how can I get used to that? Well, here's what it is. You have to understand and remind yourself, first of all, who it is that you're serving. Because if you're, if you're serving people for people's sake, uh, that... that You'll, you'll, uh, you'll run out of energy pretty quickly. I mean, that loses its luster pretty fast. But if you're serving people for God's sake... And also, the second thing is this. Not only do you need to remember who you're serving, but you need to remember that even though people will fail you and people will disappoint you, the Lord never will. And you always have Him. And so even though, hey... You pour yourself into people, and man, they, they stab you in the back, and they, 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 they walk away from you, and they hurt you, and they, they talk about you behind your back, or whatever the case is, and you think, man, how can I do this again? Well, you just have to remember, people are people, and people are sinners, and God is God, and God never changes, and He's always there, and He's an ever-present help in time of trouble, and, and you have to find your comfort and your solace in Him. And it really goes back to the fact that we can't be looking at people uh, for our contentment, for our uh, happiness, for our stability, for our fulfillment. We have to be looking to the Lord. And so with that understanding, that, that, that really isn't necessarily the, 
the point of our verse of keep thy heart with all diligence in the sense of protecting ourselves from being harmed, we might have to say, well, then what really is the, the point of this? Keep thy heart with all diligence. And, and, and I think that you know this, but certainly in Scripture, we understand one of, the, one of the key rules of Bible interpretation is that context determines meaning. And as we try to understand the Bible, we've got to understand it in context. Now, this can be challenging, especially in the book of Proverbs, because the context changes quickly. <laughs> uh, there are places, especially throughout the book of Proverbs, where you find, I mean, one verse or sometimes half a verse is one subject, and then it seems to flip to another subject, and, and it can be hard to, you know, it seems like these just real uh, kind of pithy statements one after the other. And, and that sometimes is the case. However, I think when we're here in Proverbs 4, there actually is some context to this. And that's why we started reading in verse 20. And we really could have backed up all the way to verse 14. Let's just look at verse 14 and following there. It says, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. And it goes on and describes them in verse 17. Verse 18, the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is darkness. They know not at what they stumble. So in those verses, what do we find? We find this father speaking to his son, and he's saying to him, don't be like the wicked in the world. Be like the righteous. Live, live a life of righteousness and walk the way, go the way that you ought to go. And then he says in verse 20, My son, attend unto my words and incline thine ear unto my sayings. And so all of this is, is, is admonition. Son, you need to do right. You need to live right. You need to stay right. And then we come to verse 23, that famous and familiar verse, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And in context we understand that this verse really has to do with walking in righteousness and wisdom rather than walking in wickedness. You say, well, why, why does he say keep thy heart? Why doesn't he say keep thy foot? Well, there are times in Proverbs he does, right? We're to keep our feet in the right way. So why does he say keep thy heart? Well, because the second part of that verse is for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, because the way that you're going is going to be determined by what's going on in your heart. In other words, actions really are not the issue in and of themselves. Actions are simply an outflow of what's going on in your heart. The words that you say originate in your heart. The things that you do originate in your heart. And so... Your heart needs to be kept, it needs to be protected and guarded. If you want your actions to please the Lord, if you want your ways to please the Lord, your heart must be right with God. Hold your place here and let's go over to the book of Mark, chapter number 7. Mark chapter 7. And here in Mark 7, of course, the... Uh, the Pharisees are upset with Jesus, big surprise, because his disciples are eating without washing their hands. And this to, to the Jews was a, I mean, this was, this was terrible. This was grievous. This was disgusting. Not just, uh, you know, from a, a germaphobe 
uh, perspective. But in their mind, this was, was evil. It was wicked. And notice in verse number 14, Jesus' response, it says, And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? That's an interesting statement. It's a very interesting statement because there are certainly sins that people commit that have to do with putting things into their body. I mean, the drunk on the street is drinking alcohol that alters his mind. He's certainly not pleasing the Lord. Drunkenness isn't pleasing to the Lord. We're commanded to not do that. It is sin... And it's sin that happens because he's putting substance into his body. The drug addict, the same way. We could talk about, uh, you know, tobacco use and just different things. And you say, well, you know, how is it that putting things into me doesn't ever defile me? Well, because he says, I lost my place here, of course. We were in verse number, uh, we're in Mark 7, verse number 20, where are we, 20... Verse 18, how's that? So verse 19, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draft, purging all meats. And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Now let me say to you, and I'm going to try not to get off on too big of a rabbit trail here, but let me say to you that this is the great distinction between God and man. Because man can legislate and man can try to control the actions of others. We can pass laws that say it's illegal to kill someone. And we can have a consequence for that. And we can pass laws that say, well, you know, it's illegal to steal from someone. And we can prosecute for that. But the reality is that these issues, these problems that we're trying to prevent by laws are really just trying to keep some order in society, but it really doesn't deal with the problem. Because the problem is the heart of man. And only God can change the heart of man. So while we can legislate and try to dictate and try to control and keep people in, and this is why the Pharisees were so, uh, they were so lawfully minded according to the law of Moses. It was all about the, the outward things that a person does. But what Jesus is saying here is it's not just the things that they do. It's not just the transgressions, it's not just the sin, it's the iniquity in the heart, it's the wickedness in the heart of man that needs to be dealt with. And parents, I think we need to learn a lesson here. Because we can be really diligent to have control and structure in our home. 
and set rules and boundaries and make sure there's consequences and discipline. And we ought to have that. But listen, more important than the actions of your children is the heart of your children. Because it's possible for kids to comply and still not be right with God. And what what our desire needs to be and what our intention needs to be is to point them to the Lord. I'm not saying do away with rules and do away with discipline because those things are important and necessary. But understand that all those are as tools. And what we really need is to be praying for and, and working at trying to win their heart and point them to Christ because they need a change of heart. And whatever it is that you might be struggling with today in terms of sin... It's not just the action. It's not just the thing itself that is the problem. It's actually merely a symptom of the problem. We talk about this a lot of times in in terms of of medicine, in terms of uh, the, the medical field. And a lot of times people will complain because many people in the medical field, not all of them, but many of them, that's what they try to do, right? They try to treat symptoms rather than getting to the root issue. And so they medicate to try to solve a symptom when that symptom is simply evidence that there is an underlying problem. You know, I think someone explained it once by saying, and this is a very simple analogy, right? But when you have a headache, you take aspirin to get rid of that headache, you did not have a headache because you had an aspirin deficiency. Right? You had a headache because of some other reason, some other cause, And the aspirin simply came in and treated the symptom. And sometimes that's enough. Praise the Lord for that. But you don't want to just keep masking symptoms if they're pointing to a bigger problem. And that's true in our physical bodies, but how much more in our spiritual lives? When we say, well, you know, this is an area... Man, I struggle with this. I I can't seem to tell the truth. I struggle with lying. I struggle with looking at things that I ought not to. I I, I struggle with uh, getting angry and and, and blowing up at people. And and we think if we can change our behavior, that solves the problem. But the behavior is simply a symptom of a bigger problem that originates in the heart. And this is what Jesus is getting at here is that the problem is in the heart, not in the issue, not in the thing itself, but in the heart Therefore, our heart must be guarded because out of it are the issues of life. Because if we want our ways to please the Lord, if we want our life to please the Lord, our heart needs to be right with God. Because as I've said before, and I say it all the time, and I'm not planning to stop, you can do the right things and still not be right with God. And so... If the problem originates in the heart, the solution needs to originate in the heart. Where you don't just say, well, I'm going to clean up the outside of the cup and do the right things, but I need to get right with God and I need to keep my heart where it needs to be so so, so that the outflow of my heart is pleasing to the Lord. So let's then with that as kind of an understanding of Uh, Verse 23 of Proverbs 4. Let's go back to Proverbs 4. Because not only does he say in verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. But then he gives some very clear instructions on how to do precisely that. Aren't you thankful that the Bible doesn't just tell us the problem, it also gives us the solutions? 
I'm thankful that this isn't just a book of diagnosis. It's also a book of prescription. Isn't that a blessing? God gives us the answer. You say, well, how do I keep my heart? Verse 24, look with me at this. It says, put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. So the very first thing that he says in terms of keeping our heart is to have purity of speech. Now, there are two different potential applications for putting away from thee a froward mouth. And the first one is obviously personal, and that would include keeping your mouth pure. Making sure the things that are coming out of your mouth are pleasing to the Lord. Ephesians 4.29, what does it say? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And then the very next verse, in verse 30, it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know what I learned from that? If my mouth is producing speech that is corrupt communication... I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. If my mouth is producing corrupt communication, it is a grief to the Holy Spirit of God. And and we ought not do that. And so this would apply to things like language that is inappropriate. The Bible says in Titus 2, in verse number 7, or verse number 8 rather, that we are to use sound speech which cannot be condemned. This would include certainly language that's inappropriate, but also, how about this, gossip. You know, a lot of people use their tongue and their mouth to talk about things and people that they ought not be. Six times, the Bible uses the term tail-bearer. You know what a tail-bearer is? Someone who bears a tail. Problem solved. Someone who comes carrying a story. And here's what it says about talebearers. Leviticus 19, verse 16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Proverbs eleven thirteen. A talebearer revealeth secrets. But he that is faithful in spirit concealeth the matter. Proverbs 18 and verse 8, The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Proverbs 19, or 20, verse 19, He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. By the way, let me clue you in on something. A person who's willing to talk to you about someone else is willing to talk to someone else about you. Proverbs 26 and verse 20, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where, no ta- where, there, where there is no talebearer, the strife seeks it. Proverbs 26 and verse 22, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Folks, I want to tell you this. The Bible doesn't shed a good light on gossipers. 
So there's words and language that's inappropriate. Obviously, curse words and dirty jokes and, and all of those kind of things ought not come out of the mouth of a Christian. But neither should gossip. And neither should, by the way, neither should words that tear down rather than build up. It says, let no com corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. And to edify literally means to build up. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 25 and verse 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Christian, let me encourage you in this. It's very possible that your words might be the very thing that encourages someone to keep going for the Lord and stay faithful and stay true. Your words could be the very, th the, the very thing that encourages someone to not give up on their marriage or to not give up praying for someone who needs to be saved or witnessing and telling someone. I'm just saying your words could, could be the very thing that God uses in a person's life. You know what else your words could be? The very thing that causes someone to quit. The very thing that would cause someone to believe things about themselves that are not true. Corrupt communication ought not proceed out of the mouth of a, of a believer. We need to keep from ourselves, uh, put away from ourselves a froward mouth and perverse lips. We need to use our tongue for good and to speak truth rather than lies. And all these things are true. And so we are to use our tongue in this way. But I believe there's another application of putting away from us a froward mouth and perverse lips, and that has to do not just with our own mouth and our own lips, but putting away from us other mouths and other lips that are froward and perverse. Because again, remember, it's what's in our heart, but often what is in our heart is heavily influenced by that which we set our minds upon, is it not? Surround yourself with people long enough, you'll start to be like them. Listen to people talk long enough. I think one of the greatest examples of this is accents. And specifically how accents can change over time. You can grow up in one part of the country and move to another part of the country. You live there long enough, you start talking like those people. Now, they may not think you talk like them, but then when you go back home, and I experienced this, I grew up in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, there's a, uh, I grew up in southeastern Wisconsin. In, in, in the state, there's about four or five different accents. I grew up in southeastern Wisconsin, which is kind of a mixture of that real strong northern, you know, way of talking, and a little bit of the Chicago, kind of the nasally, and there's, it's a mixture of the two. Well, I moved away from there, and I, and I went and I spent some time in Oklahoma. And everyone in Oklahoma told me I talked like that. Till I went back to Wisconsin to visit, and guess what? I was told that I picked up a southern accent. And then I moved to North Dakota, and that's like Canada. And then pastored in Texas, and now I've just got the perfect neutral accent. 
Amen. Think about this. Why, why is that? We talk like the people that we surround ourselves with. Tones, inflections, speech patterns, words. What are you listening to? It has an influence on you. Some of you guys that work in kind of rough professions, you know, where you're just around blue-collar guys all the time, you know? I don't mean that your profession is bad. I mean, you know what I mean. You're, you're around people that use inappropriate language. You hear it day in, day out, day in and day out. And then all of a sudden, what happens? You get cut off in traffic or you hit your hand with a hammer and hopefully you can control your tongue, but something pops into your mind, doesn't it? Things that you never say, but you hear it. And it influences you. The things that you watch on TV, the things that you listen to on the radio, the things that you take in online, all these things influence you more than you know. So you say, well, I want to be obedient to Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, then you're going to have to put away from you forward and perverse speech. As much as possible, you need to close your ears off to things that are going to come in and start to influence and affect your meditations. Why do you think the Bible speaks so much about meditating on the Word of God and even not letting it depart out of our mouth? Because as we speak the Scriptures and as we, we go over to the New Testament and what are we told? We're told to be filled with the Spirit. We're told to walk in the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. In other words, put away from you forward and perverse speech and fill yourself with right things and fill yourself with truth and meditate on truth, not only listening but also speaking truth because it's part of guarding your heart. It's part of guarding your heart. The Bible says that in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Proverbs 13 and verse number 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. In other words, the things that you are surrounding yourself and the things that you're listening to, they're going to affect you. So put away from yourself. Put away from you froward, a froward mouth and perverse lips. And then verse 25, what do we see? Let thine eyes look right on and thine eyelids look straight before thee. So not only purity of speech, but purity of eyes. Did you know the things that you set before your eyes will influence you? The things you set before your eyes will influence your heart. They'll affect your heart. Go back to the book of Psalms with me. Psalm 101 tonight. Psalm 101. Look at verse number 2. 
It says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. So this is a, this is a guy who's walking with a perfect heart, and it's, it's affected his walk, it's affected his paths and his behavior. And then he says this, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. What are you putting before your eyes? What are you looking at? Young man, what are you looking at? What are you absorbing? What's your entertainment? Notice he says, I hate the work of them that turn aside. You say, I love righteousness, but do you hate iniquity? Fools make a mock at sin. But those who guard their heart hate wickedness. They want to distance themselves from it. Why? Because he says in verse 3, the end of verse number 3, it shall not cleave to me. I don't want that stuff around me. Because the things that I surround myself with rub off on me. You ever been around someone who smokes heavy, hev heavily all the time? Man, I, I've done that so many times. Walked into someone's house on visitation or something and sat there and trying to witness to them, you know, and they're just, I mean, one after another, you know. And then i got to go out, I'm trying to make another visit. And the preacher comes in smelling like a pack of cigarettes, you know. It rubs off on you is what I'm saying. It cleaves to you. It sticks to you. And don't think that you can put wickedness before your eyes continually, continually putting it before your eyes and have it not affect your heart. First John 2 talks about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. And there's so much we could talk about with that. Job saying that he made a covenant with his eyes. I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about. But I'm just saying, look at our text. It says here in Proverbs 4 that, that we are to put away from us a froward mouth and perverse lips. And we are to let our eyes look right on and thine eyelids look straight before thee. In other words, we're to set our eyes on the path that is righteous. We're to look at things that would be pleasing to the Lord. N notice it, it says uh, to look straight before thee. I'm reminded of uh, Matthew 7 where it talks about that straight gate. There's a, there's a right way. There's a way that pleases the Lord. And then there are those who depart from the way. And the Bible says let your eyelids look straight on. And then I want to show you there's this consideration as well because he says in verse 26, ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Now, folks, this is, this is profound. Please don't miss this. Ponder the path of thy feet. In other words, consider what way you're going. 
I'm afraid far too many people go through life just kind of letting life happen. Just whatever comes my way. Not really considering that every step you take is either a step in the will of God or a step out of the will of God. Ephesians tells us that we're to walk circumspectly. You know what it means to walk circumspectly? It means to be on guard. It means to pay attention. To ponder the path of thy feet literally means to take an honest evaluation of your life and your direction. Are you headed in a good direction? I mean, are you growing closer to the Lord? The things that you did today, the, time, the way you spent your time, the, the things that you meditated on, the things you thought about today, the words that you said, uh, the, the things that you listened to, the things that you looked at, were these things directing you toward the Lord or away from the Lord? He said, oh, I'm, just, I'm not sure. In the busyness of life, I didn't take that. Here's the problem. You're not pondering the path of your feet. You know, this is a good time of, uh, of the year to just do a bit of a spiritual checkup. How are you doing? Are you better off spiritually today than you were at the beginning of this year? Each decision that you make, each step that you take is either a step in the direction of God's will or away from God's will. Ponder the path of your feet. Listen, if we would consider in every decision that we make, everything that we do, every word that we say, everything that we watch, everything that we listen to, if we would consider, is this going to make me closer to God or is it going to take me away from God? You know, if that was always on our heart and on our mind, we wouldn't sin. We wouldn't sin. Is this thing going to please the Lord? Is it going to draw me closer to Him? Is this going to benefit my fellowship with God? Or is it going to hinder my fellowship with God? You know, I believe that as we grow in grace, as we, as we grow closer to the Lord, one of the, uh, one of the key indicators that we're growing closer to the Lord is, is our reason for avoiding sin. There's a time where we avoid sin because we're afraid of the potential consequences if we get caught. And that's okay to a degree, but you know, we ought to be concerned about how is this thing going to affect my fellowship with my Father? If I do this thing, if I say this thing, if I act in this way that I know is not really... If, have you ever been guilty of this? I have. I'm not going to ask God if I should do this because I'm afraid he's going to say no. But maybe our attitude ought to be, Lord, what do you want? And What is the right thing? How can, I, how, how can I draw closer to you? And is this thing that I'm about to do or not do, is it going to hinder my fellowship with you or is it going to draw me closer to you? I'm just saying the Bible says we're to ponder the path of our feet. And the result of that is let all thy ways be established. 
Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot. There it is. Remove thy foot from evil. And so when we look at verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, the idea is this, remove thy foot from evil, but if you're going to remove your foot from evil, you've got to first guard your heart because what, what goes on in your heart is going to result in the way that you walk. So Christian, how's your heart? How are your lips? And the lips of those that you surround yourself with. What are your eyes looking at? Are you pondering the path of your feet? Are you keeping your heart with all diligence? Understand, this is not something that just happens. You don't just reach a point of sanctification where, oh, it's, it's done, it's guarded, it's protected. God will keep it. It doesn't say pray to God that he'll keep your heart. It says keep it with all diligence. In other words, put some work into this thing. Young men, I want to talk to you for just a moment because I think that this is one of the biggest issues of youth in our day and age. Too often, young men just kind of go through life figuring it'll all work out. That's a lie. It's a lie from Satan. Satan has put snares and traps in your way to tear you down, to destroy your life. You better be diligent in keeping your heart. That's not just young men, but I'm speaking to the young men specifically. Because God wants to use you and Satan wants to destroy you. Don't be negligent. You're walking through a minefield. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Be diligent.